Why don't you? You should just, you should go to a, like do a PhD or an M- MFA or something. Oh to, like, really, <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> really deplete your savings forever. Um. Well, I guess we're back after a uh, another. What was it? Two and a half week uh, hiatus. I can't keep track of anything anymore. <laughs> I guess I can't tell if the art world stopped being interesting if, or if we started losing interest. <laughs> well, I'm definitely <laughs> losing interest. Um, I have one foot out the door. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, s- I'm still trying to get my foot in the door. but uh. <laughs> uh, I feel burnt out. Mm-hmm. So <sighs> we, we both have come to some uh, critical life-changing decisions this uh, past couple of weeks yeah we decided to call it quits basically <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> i just don't Hang care anymore <laughs> seriously like, yeah um like, what, what is this whole uh rate rat race for and it is a rat race in the art world yeah i mean your chances of getting bitten by something that will give you some like <laughs> skin disease is similar <laughs> Your chance of a resistant mycoplasm or <laughs> much higher. Yeah, it's like a rat race with a chance of uh, touching the third rail on the subway track <laughs> and getting fried. Um, so we are both uh, burnt out. What uh, you don't have to go into uh, detail, but what has prompted your what ha- what catalyzed your uh, decision? Oh, it's just been years of like. <laughs> but what what broke your camel's back? Uh, I mean, you hmm. don't have to name names. Just uh, <laughs> could also be an existential uh, pivoting yep. point. Well, it's existential. Um, it's just like a realization that people are so shady and rude in the art world. Mm-hmm. Um, what has made it sustainable for you up until that point? Oh, just the hope that, uh, you know, things are going to get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm just was... tired of like hanging by a thread in every means of the world. Of the world. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I sound so ambiguous, but. <laughs> what was hope for you like? Can you describe your version of hope? Maybe just that things would stabilize and that you're not like, oh God, like hope- hopefully another person comes knocking at my door because that's. Mm-hmm all you do in the art world like how proactive can you be to like make things happen you're just constantly waiting for people to reach out to you right you know what is your what is your idea of stability in this context uh i just want like a monthly paycheck (laughs) Mm -hmm. and for people that are like well you went into this business you shouldn't have expected that you know it's like yeah, but I'm very fortunate. I know I'm very lucky. 99% of artists don't get to live from their work. I do, but I've just had enough. Like, mm-hmm. you know, getting random amounts of money that aren't very big, um, feeling stressed out, uh, people being bad actors. <laughs> 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 like a gallery that uh took me off their website and didn't tell me uh-huh uh a shitty la gallery if anyone needs to know so figure that out <laughs> coming to new york soon yeah uh it's just like i don't know 
It's like a, a, a lot of tiny nails in the coffin, mm-hmm. you know, where you're just like, what is the point of this? Like I enjoy making my work. It's a creative outlet for me. Uh, I derive pleasure from, you know, like, like the new works I made at the residency. I love doing that. I want to keep experimenting. I want to have fun. But what is it all for when it's just like you're constantly just dealing with bullshit with people and Mm -hmm. just like, oh, I can't make any plans in my life or move on. Like, right. You know, have just like stability as someone who's almost 40 years old. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, God, don't say 40. I mean, I'm fine with that. (laughs) Look at look at Martha. But (laughs) Um, it's true. But it's just, um, yeah. I just got to say that, I mean, for years, it's been a balancing act for us to sort of meet a balance where the disappointments are not sort of, um, are overwhelming to the hopes that we kept sort of sustaining. And I think the moment sort of we get more, um sort of frustration lingers from the disappointments and kind of like muddies the waters of hope is the point where i'm like what am i doing this for yeah because like i also love the work that i do in the studio but like um when i have two columns of like uh the good and the bad and the good is like filled with less items than the bad, then that's the point where I'm like, okay, is this sustainable? Yeah. Um, I mean, what bothers me the most, I will say is just the unreliability of opportunities. I think that kind of, that really bums me on a personal level, just not being able to count on things. I mean, that's something that you've expressed to a certain extent through, uh, you know, being able to make a living out of this uh, out of this profession. But for me, it's just like, I don't know, the disappointments kind of hurt on a more personal yeah. level. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I applied uh, for a job, a teaching position, which I'm knock on wood hoping to get. So I'll be uh, so I'll be starting that soon. And like, even if I, even when, or if I start that job, like I told you, even if I get invited to do like three solo shows, no, it's not gonna like, it's not gonna clash with my uh, schedule exactly. I mean, everything is doable. I just realized that like, you know, sitting and waiting by the proverbial phone for that phone call to come in is like a really silly and not really wise way to live your life. And also just not really sustainable. Yeah. And doesn't make money. And I would just love to do something that is compensated. Yeah. No, I, I totally oh. agree. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to sound bitter or jaded because I'm sure someone's saying that right now. I mean, I feel, <laughs> I feel jaded. <laughs> no, it's just what's what's jading about it is that it's like not a meritocracy. I mean, nothing in life is. But it's more frustrating when, you know, people around you are not given opportunities who deserve them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like people have their agendas. It's like, right. Like something I, we'll get to later. <laughs> <laughs>
I just uh, sometimes, you know, wonder if people who are on a, uh, a wave of success or uh, hyped or sell very well at the moment have the sort of humility to understand the arbitrariness that the core of this whole business, that their success is not necessarily sort of a pinnacle of like an expression of a merit, essentially. Yeah. I wonder that sometimes because let me just tell you all the successful people out there. Um, the myth of hard work pays <laughs> is a myth. There's yeah. lots of hard work to go around. Uh, some of it gets acknowledged. Some of it doesn't. Yeah, of course. I mean, my dad's the hardest working person I know and he was working uh, in a factory and as a gender. So mm-hmm. was he appropriately compensated? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, um, but you you are embarking on a new path. Yes, I've started a course online, um, like everyone and their mother has been mm-hmm. doing, uh, including mm-hmm. many unemployed peers of ours, <laughs> funded mm-hmm. by the Job Center. Um, I'm paying for mine, though, but got a 20% discount. Uh, it's a UX design course, user experience design. Oh, I thought it was like some gender neutral (laughs) (laughs) queer theory course you're taking online to even further deteriorate your (laughs) your professional stability. (laughs) Why don't you, you should just, you should go to a, like do a PhD or an MFA or something to like really, could you imagine, (laughs) really deplete your savings forever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, maybe I could be an adjunct and get paid two thousand five hundred dollars uh, oh a semester. An adjunct intern or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> You've made the joke one too many times already. Against Wait, which... a former friend of the pod who does not listen anymore. <laughs> which one, Ika? <laughs> Wait, he's not listening to us? No. Jesus. He's too busy discovering new genders <laughs> under his microscope. <laughs> Ike, come back. He's not going to hear this. He's given up. So. And we he's also your, uh, given up on my friendship. So. Oh my God. <laughs> we, we, we need that listenership uptick. Come on. We have us. We've had a solid... Uh, I'm not going to name the uh, figure, but... Uh, we just need those extra two or three people. Exactly. Don't give up on us. Yeah, don't give up. Um, <laughs> I just want like a, I want our own McDonald's meal one day. <laughs> totally. <laughs> what would be in an, in the thoughts on our McDonald's meal? Maybe something faggy like the BTS meal, <laughs> like a swirl dipping sauce. <laughs> yeah, like some some skin bleaching. element (laughs) some blanched uh non-fat chicken oh my god some like uh um what's that women's uh bookstore in portlandia called i forget women and women first yeah something that smells like it would come out of a vegan kitchen in the side oh that's like the bio company and den's bio marked smell that like organic store smell they pump in when I worked at Makita on, um, it was a Brunnenstrasse? Yeah. 
Okay. So the headquarters used to be on Bundeschloss and like the manufacturer and everything. And a couple of doors up was this like yoga slash like tantric massage studio that also had a kitchen in the front of the house. <laughs> oh, I remember um, this. <laughs> you're welcome to venture a guess if the kitchen was ventilated at all. <laughs> and I mean, it, for our listeners in Berlin, you know the smell. Oh, God you know what it smelled like so maybe we can sort of a uh overhaul one mcdonald's location <laughs> just for our sort of vegan special meal so it oh smells like it. oh speaking of berlin mcdonald's they renovated the hermann plots location uh-huh it is so much nicer now it's less shady they got rid of the bathroom <laughs> uh-huh uh did there's the, water uh, screens did the new subway design make it to germany uh like the subway sound shop yeah like which one that kind of updated logo from a couple of years ago no no it's like brand new it looks like star trek like oh no uh, No, like command and control deck oh my god (laughs) um yeah they started it on here on fifth avenue in brooklyn maybe that's their like testing they're testing their uh constituency here first oh my god trial balloon uh, speaking of which, so we had really good Thai food in Portland a couple of weeks ago. So when we came back to New York, I was like, okay, let's find something comparable. So I, I mean, excuse me, like foodies and people who are in the know, <laughs> but like I discovered this, this place in Carroll Gardens <laughs> called Ugly Baby that's like highly rated and like has reviews up the yin yang. Uh, and I was like, okay, let's make a reservation. So I call there and turns out they like, First of all, they don't take reservations over the phone, so you have to DM them on Instagram, but they're only open three nights a week. And so I DM them, and they tell me, okay, um, you have to make a reservation, but also you have to place your order a week in advance, and you can do that by going to our highlighted stories. And so... Me and Jordan reviewed the like dine-in options, and he's vegetarian, so it was kind of difficult because it's mostly like meat-based there. And so we finally, after like two weeks of back, uh, sorry, two days of back and forth, we decided what we'd want to order. And so I DM them the order, and they were like, "Oh, sorry, we're not serving this and that oh anymore God. because of supply chain issues, like stuff that vegetables, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like." Like specialty, like COVID bats that are stuck in some container at the LA Harbor or whatever. Um, and so they basically like over DM whittled down the menu to like a non possibility for us. Uh, so much so to the point that I was like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to cancel the oh reservation. But like, I, I'm i just telling this story because I've never done anything more New York than uh, this. And I'm partly like, I, I am embarrassed. That I put myself through this, like something that Jordan said, this is something that tourists who would come to New York would sort of put up with to sort of enjoy the New York experience and something that the locals would never dare do. Like going to Mustafa's Gamuz Kebab in Berlin and waiting 90 minutes in a queue. Yeah. I mean, ba- back in my day, when, <laughs> is it still on uh, Meringdom? Yeah, but they moved it uh, over slightly. It's not like in front of the sidewalk anymore. It's like to the side of this imbis next to it Uh uh-huh because there was a fire it burnt down because when i didn't even have like uh you know two dimes to uh rub together i fucking had lunch and dinner there with my ex-boyfriend because it It is good yeah it was good it was like 250 and my 
pre-IBS stomach could could stomach it. Uh, maybe it was all the MDMA that was just uh, oh my God. activating my enzymes. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, it w- Madonna. Yeah, it was really yummy. I don't know what to say. And I never got the dudum. I only got the dinner. Yeah, the the dinner is good. That bun's really good. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Ugly Betty. Um, <laughs> What's Ugly Betty? No, because the place was called Ugly Baby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, look up the menu. It looks amazing. And I just got some recommendations from a collector as to like restaurants to check out in Portland. And that Thai place that we went to really checked out. And so I mm. like, was really in the mood for that um but like come on do me a favor like maybe some foodie listeners out there can explain to me the sort of the charm and novelty and putting up with so much bullshit just to dine at a restaurant (laughs) totally like fucking get on resi like how much money are you losing from like outsourcing your reservation sort of system like is dm the best way to really do it god or just like do walk-ins like yeah, and they have a separate menu for um, for takeout. God. And if you wanna if you wanna make a reservation, you have to like do it a week in advance or something. It's like that Seinfeld episode where Elaine tries to order the uh, the flounder that's on <laughs> only sold on season, and she has to like <laughs> occupy some janitor's closet in the building across <laughs> the street from there. <laughs> oh my god. Um. So, what are some fun uh, news items uh, we want to uh, pick at today? Uh, well, I think the biggest... Okay, well, let's see. Should we talk about the fairs first or actual like, hard-hitting news that's made it to the New York Times? Uh, let's do some fairs first, maybe. Okay, well... Did you, did you attend any of the fairs? Um, no. So, I won't be humble bragging. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you about didn't get the a shitty vi- parties <laughs> yeah go ahead no what, what uh, were you, you didn't say? get a you didn't get a vip invitation to an imhoff's performance where you ranted throughout the night about various uh various issues <laughs> and uh, wait so your so your invitations got <laughs> shredded <laughs> your invitations got lost in the mail yeah i guess they did okay uh would you like literally would you have gone like i don't know if it's my quitting the art world or like carbon footprint or covid but like who the hell as a non-collector as and someone who doesn't have like a uh you know a dog in the race with like the prospect of purchasing something or selling something why the hell would you like travel across the uh across the pond to uh, attend that? I have no idea. I mean, I'm showing at a fair next no in two weeks mm-hmm. at Artissima, a solo booth. I'm very excited, but I'm not yes. going. <laughs> not even for the pasta. I mean, the only reason I would want to go is to go to Torino and have the food, but. Mm-hmm. Aren't we supposed to be more responsible travelers now in 2021? Right. Isn't there a climate crisis? Um, um I guess. Um, also, I don't no know. one's paying for me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're just are sort of doing the math, and they're like, "Okay, I'll 
a private jet to this sphere, but I'll get Gambeha's latest like eco-efficient <laughs> twenty twenty-two collection that'll offset racism and carbon <laughs> footprint. And so you have yourself a perfect sort of zero sum game yeah. here result. Um, I just feel like if you're an artist who's doing stuff like and showing at these fairs, like you don't need to be there. You're not gonna like miss out on opportunities or networking. Yeah, exactly. Hence my decision to like go back to the job market and get a job because once again, like no fair will sort of a uh, succeed or fail because of my presence or absence at it. Yeah. If I have work there, like whatever. Yeah. I think there's also an, sort of an extent to the to the myth of networking and socializing on site, like yeah. And I'm only reflecting on that because I've sort of bowed out of Instagram for the for about a I've been out for like a couple of weeks or so, aside from like important updates. Uh, and so not being exposed to the sort of daily deluge of other people's activities just completely evaporates them into thin air. They stop existing. Yeah. And with their sort of stopping existing, also your caring for them ceases to exist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if a tree falls in the forest. <laughs> no, I think it's like, okay, if it's like your first time showing at a fair, it's like, yeah, go, it's exciting. It's like, oh, feel good that you're being like, elevated and celebrated but then yeah after the umpteenth time it's like what's the point of going and then like being unhappy about it right exactly um yeah speaking of which um oh it's actually five days old this article from the art newspaper uh titled too much too young the double-edged sword of early success for artists um as british painters in their 20s and 30s are commanding huge sums for their work how does the market frenzy affect their career in the longer term um so this article talks about the young british artists in their 20s and 30s um whose quote-unquote work adorns the stands of freeze london the walls of hayward gallery um and talks about sort of their booming ascent and their potential sort of collapse back to the ground um do you want to maybe read some of the parts i highlighted and we can <laughs> bitch about it sure amir meet the young british painters the hot 20 and 30 somethings whose work adorns the stands of freeze london the walls of the hayward gallery and whether they like it or not sell for six and seven figure sums at auction in today's market of investor collectors, success can be a double-edged sword. How does a gallery protect a young painter from speculators? And how does that painter cope with the pressure when their work suddenly becomes a commodity over which they have no control? Blah, blah, blah. The amount of young artists coming to market and the rapidity with which they have gone from emerging to very established prices is something that we should all look at with some degree of caution, says the London-based art advisor, Bona Montague. That doesn't take away from the importance of some of those artists, and maybe in the fullness of time they deserve to be at those price points, but it's the speed with which it's happening that's worrying. It's it's funny that it's uh, talked about in those terms. It feels like this article was written in like 
2008. Yeah, or basically. 2015. Yeah, is this how long it takes for a uh, for trends and news to uh, make it over across the pond? <laughs> At Freeze London, Issy Wood, born 1993, another Zoomer. painter. <laughs> Sorry, Zoomer. <laughs> Another painter featured at the Hayward has a solo stand with Carlos Ishikawa of new works made during lockdown. I mean, who didn't make works during lockdown? Yeah, enough with that trope, please. (laughs) And all the work looks the same as pre-lockdown. She also has a solo show in Carlos Ishikawa's East London Gallery until 20th November. <laughs> but the gallery declined to disclose sales or prices at the fair, describing Woods Market as so sensitive. Oh my god, give me a fucking break. This is why I hate the art world. This is why I'm done. <laughs> why do you think it's in quotation marks? Oh my god. Because well, they literally said it, but like it's not a scare quote. It was like, mm-hmm. it's so sensitive. We can't tell you the price. On Friday, her 2019 oil on velvet work eggplant slash car interior sold for a record 327,600 pounds at Phillips. Um, That sounds like a speculative bubble. Also, like, why? How much money did she get from this sale? None. None. Unless that law gives her a tiny percentage. I don't know if the UK is part of that, but. Oh, right. But still, I, I mean, it will elevate her primary part market price. But still, um, what I'm just I'm, sorry. I'm looking up her, I'm looking up her work. It's a lot of a a lot of sort of leather leather coats with like medieval uh, arms. And it's funny, um, I've never even seen these, and they're like almost half a million dollars. Yeah. Um. Well, what does what does that mean about us, Shemek? I'm plugged in. I'm tuned in. <laughs> also, I don't think any like living artists of that age have works that expensive. I understand everything is supply and demand, but like, I mean, it's why like is saying, there a huge demand? It's like saying the GameStop's shares <laughs> shouldn't be as high valued as they are. I mean, we we keep falling into the same trap of sort of tethering a significance to uh, um, price label, price tag. So the story continues. Wood offers a searing commentary on the machinations of the art market in her book, but who's counting? (laughs) She writes... I, I have to look up this book. She was born in 1993 and she has a book... Yeah, I'm like, and is she's, it an Amazon self-published ebook? <laughs> <laughs> is it? You know, Barnes and Noble also offers that in their physical locations. You can show up with a USB stick, and they will print out a book. <laughs> should we? Be, should we be self-published authors? Uh, so sorry, I'm just I'm just googling her because nowadays, like, having a book published or calling yourself a uh, an author like could mean anything. Oh, I guess she shows a JTT. It's like it's like calling yourself a poet. <laughs> uh, I mean, like yeah, if you're sh- Amanda Gorman, you can call yourself a poet. But otherwise, <laughs> um, sure, more like a L'Oreal, the face of L'Oreal, <laughs> a canceled Revlon job. 
That's a Martha, a Martha, a Monica Lewinsky reference, by the way, for those of you who did not get it. As so, a, uh, as beautifully performed by Edie, Edie Finkelstein. I thought you were going to say as a Zoptic Jew. You know, uh, funny girl is, uh, is coming back to Broadway is making a comeback and, Edie Finkelstein is uh, um, his headlining. <laughs> I know. You know what's amazing about that? That Leah Michelle of Glee fame is seething right now. Like, like the original theater kid is like putting a hex who, on a beanie right now. Yeah, who famously belted out uh, "Don't Rain on My Parade" in like season one, I guess. But honestly, she. Well, team no one. I don't see Edie Finkelstein as Barbara. Neither do I see a uh, what's her face, Liam. Yeah, like they don't have Babs qualities. True. God, we need we need a uh, David on just to do a whole episode about this. Um, I, excuse me. I'm as a uh, proficient aficionado of the Babs as he is. <laughs> no, but I just would... want like a pro con argument. <laughs> Who would who would be a good a uh, Broadway revival Babs? Gaga. Sorry. Mm, actually, yeah, you're right. I agree. <laughs> I mean, she she already beautifully performed a uh, a Babs a uh, facsimile on the Stars totally. Born. Yeah, she's like a Babs and Eliza facsimile. So it's like, yeah, she's got both sides. If only I could sort of completely scrub from like cultural archival history anything that's not a star is born and or what's another non-embarrassing gaga output Mm. because like anything like practically her entire discography is embarrassing but a star is born is where she truly like shines yeah it's the thing that was not supposed to be sincere like the music is yeah. actually the most sincere yeah sad she just yeah i like at first i thought she was like you know led by bad producers with like tacky taste and like poor judgment but after all these years turns out it's her <laughs> yeah uh as nina garcia would always say there's a taste issue here <laughs> <laughs> honestly my favorite judge yeah she's amazing and she still looks amazing like i just watched season one of, uh, sorry season 19 episode one it's on youtube freely available because it's back on the peacock network mm-hmm. on streaming this is not SpawnCon, by the way um and they don't have a host anymore oh Car- really carly Kloss is gone why She's probably in a gulag with that family. <laughs> oh my god. Um, well, I guess uh, Issy Wood is a published, a uh, call it what you will. She has her publication, but who's counting over it? Carlos and Ishikawa. Mm. Which um, I don't know what it is. Maybe Jordan, who worked at Printed Matter, would know better. I guess it's like an artist art book artist book publication platform Uh, whatever well she writes i keep being told that the days of an artist remaining oblivious to their output as a monetizable commodity are long gone an artist should know her prices in at least three currencies should keep a tight grip on ideas of value and scarcity and long-term investment and brand 
she should study the game. Does she mean the rapper of the game? Uh, uh, excuse me, <laughs> the game as in the Nazi book on fucking Seinfeld, the oh Aryan God. society. <laughs> <laughs> in so much as she's both player and pawn. Wood recounts how desperate collectors have tried to get a hold of her work by bribing existing collectors for a painting or threatening me with doom via text or attempting to poison me against my collaborators or yelling at me over 12 voicemails. I'm sorry, none of this happened. Or asking me for <laughs> naked photos while assuring me they're all business. Wait, are you, are you minimizing a retelling of a woman's suffering and trauma? Uh, can I just say, if this made it into a public uh, sort of printed form, uh, this, like, I guess what I'm trying to say, this feels more gossipy and, like, tweet sort of worthy than a book kind of a uh, content. <sighs> well, um, should I continue? Oh my god, it's a re- it's a tome. I'm looking up this book. It's a fucking tome. I mean, I would be interested in reading it. And I just want to uh, clear the this conversation. We have nothing against her. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Like I like. Sorry for the tone. Yeah, sorry. It's it's not her. Um, it's like the gif. I don't know her. Dot yeah. gif. Um, no, it's more just this uh, market bomb. Um, the story continues. <coughs> Alessio Antonioli, the director of Gasworks, a London nonprofit space, points out that early commercial success for young artists is not necessarily malign. This generation most likely didn't get free education, have to pay huge rents for substandard setups, will hardly be able to get on the property ladder. Money can be a great help, he says. But he cautions that artists also need time for reflection away from the extreme pressure where the art world could easily end up being the place for their quick success, sorry, success, but also their fast burnout. Can I just say about the fact that none of us even knew who E.C. Wood was? It kind of reminds me of like Sally Rooney and the whole, the whole sort of BDS kerfuffle with her uh, not willing to just have her book, latest book translated into Hebrew. Uh, and then David was like, who is Sally Rooney? <laughs> yeah, I also tweeted that. Uh, that said, I am not a a literary uh, stan. Oh, but, but this, <laughs> I mean, Sally Rooney, like, transcends, like, the literati or, like, people who are in the know because her, I guess her first, her debut novel, Conversations with Friends, like, was was such a, like, millennial, like, clickbait fodder that it just blew out the stratosphere i honestly never heard of her yeah i guess um if you're plugged into the like the low-hanging fruit that's offered to you by the new york times uh culture section salary <laughs> was like plastered all over I mean, the normally place. i am but just like david david's a well-read person i mean yeah, a, I mean, Sa- Sally Rooney was made into a HBO show or what? something too. With like, yeah, uh, normal people. It's like all over the Daily Mail, or at least used to be like <laughs> last year or so when it was made into a TV show. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I I tried giving a uh, I guess conversations with friends a try and like gave up after like twenty pages or so. Um. I sorry to be that snob, but there's nothing contemporary that's worth my while. Uh, sorry, it has to like stand the test of time before I give it a uh, proper chance. 
I just read nonfiction. Sorry, I don't have an imagination. <laughs> <laughs> I like reading books about history and like current affairs and politics and cooking um, and memoirs. And I just, I just love mean. getting like, I mean, much like the Jew that I am, I love getting transported. <laughs> Into, into other times and places i just love like a really gripping transportive piece of literature or culture or art that's that's what keeps me in this business at the end of the day i will say though i i, I started frequenting the uh the opera again and the two operas that i've seen so far have been <laughs> abysmal not abysmal but like I don't know. There's a thing with operas where it's like either you have the like the big repertoire pieces such as like Aida and those other like big operas where you like rent, sure. <laughs> um but like we saw Aida a couple of years ago, like 3 years ago, and it was just boring as fuck. It's a huge production with like fucking elephants. They bring out elephants oh onto God. the stage at the Met Opera House, the Metropolitan, like actual but, elephants actual elephant that is so abusive it is insane but i think at the at like lincoln plaza for like a year and change there's like a circus tent oh god like i guess there's some circus going on there at the plaza anyways aida is boring as fuck there's like one famous like tune the um uh forgetting it now um but it's like you're sitting there for three hours which i have the like the the capacity and stamina to do because i love the opera but like all of it is like leading up to this fucking like a minute and a half worth of melody and the rest is boring anyways i saw what did i see i saw turnadot which is by puccini as well and it's just boring there's like one famous aria from it nessun dorma but like the rest is just boring what else did I i'm see? just enraged by the elephants they should make some papier mache elements uh, <laughs> elephants instead <laughs> Yeah, I mean, two years ago I saw Madama Butterfly and it Madame was. Madame X Butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a. Um, what do you call the Japanese. Like, not ventriloquist, but that like puppet on a string art oh, thing? Oh, yeah. No idea. So, but I know what you mean. Yeah, so the whole. The whole. Inscenio- the whole. Inscenio- the whole staging was like very much like minimalist japanese because puccini who was italian of like the beginning of the 20th century was like really into appropriating those uh, sort of east far east arts yeah. how did i even get to this topic jesus christ this is the tangent podcast so <laughs> yeah no we're just like two f- two females gabbing without <laughs> the ability to get from <laughs> Point one to point two oh in a in a linear straight fashion. We're gay, so it's the same thing. Uh, yeah, we just love meandering in our thoughts. Yeah. Um, oh god, should we? Should we? Maybe. All right, let's let's the... move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Wait, just oh. so just our our bottom line conclusion about the rapid ascent of some young British artists in the market now uh okay everyone mentioned that article i've never heard of so yeah (laughs) that's all you need to know (laughs) and also fucking count your blessings i mean you might be worthy of some uh press focus at the moment but like just like 
put down a deposit for a house. That's all I'll say because you, you could evaporate tomorrow yeah, morning. It's not going to keep coming. So yeah. be happy. And, um, I'm waiting for 100 euro transfer <laughs> right now. <laughs> so. And uh, speaking of artists who should have, you know, saved that piece of humble pie and put it down into a you know, deposit for a house or something, but instead have gotten themselves embroiled into, into some really small fish joe pesci style art scheming you want to talk about our next uh, hot topic oh my god maybe you should uh introduce this <laughs> um so famous wait let me pull up the uh the pdf file i have here um Okay, the FBI has busted once rising artist Christian Rosa. Is it Rosa or Roja? <laughs> Not Rojasha. <laughs> That's um, me. For, the FBI has busted once rising artist Christian Rosa for selling forged paintings purportedly by his former mentor, Raymond Pettibone. Petty, Pettibone. Pettibone. <laughs> I keep getting his name wrong. Um, and this is from a Art New, Artnet News um, breaking report from October 14th. Um, after Artnet News first reported on the alleged forgeries, Rosa wrote in an email, The secret is out. Um, so an artist who was on the fast track to fame before his career fizzled out has been in, which is such a shady <laughs> way. <laughs> um i mean to kill his character true. <laughs> yeah uh it's just amazing how you know, it just goes to show the press will elevate you but it'll also break you without uh without second thought um so um an artist who was on a uh, fast track to fame before his career fizzled out has been indicted for allegedly selling fake works purportedly by his friend and mentor raymond pettibone pettibone fuck um, federal authorities have accused 43-year-old Christian Rosa of selling a quartet, quartet of inauthentic paintings and forging the more famous artist's signature. Uh, so basically what's alleged here is that the two were sort of buddy buddies and over one studio visit that Christian had over at uh, Raymond's studio he, I guess, snuck out a couple of unfinished works that uh, Petty Bonds famously just has them like strewn over his studio space, whatever. And Christian Rosa took it back to his studio and I guess finished them up, completed them in a sort of facsimile style fashion, um, and then tried to sell them off as authentic. However, savvy art collectors have grown suspicious of one of the Erzatz Petty Bonds on the market. The bright blue waves had an unusual green tint to them, and the signature looked almost practiced. The rumor was that Rosa had taken incomplete works from Petty Bonds' studio during a visit and added the finishing touches and signature himself. Once alerted, Petty Bonds' studio tipped off the authorities... What would those authorities be, do you think? I think there is a some sort of art fraud department in the FBI. Really? Yeah, that deals with thefts and things. But we I'm sure you could just call the police and they'll be like, uh, call the FBI. We should call the FBI and alert them on some like Gooberstein forgeries to see if they care. 
and maybe that will make it into the <laughs> the press and give me the boost that I very much need. Um, anyway, well, I've had the, work stolen, and a friend of mine had work stolen in the mail. I should really? I should actually contact that department. Oh my god! Yeah, they're still out there. Uh, has anyone tried to forge one of your works though? No, but I mean, stealing an entire crate of paintings in yeah. the UPS warehouse. Oh my god! Um, so the day after the Artnet news story was published, Rosa emailed a co-conspirator, nonetheless, saying <laughs> the secret is out. According to documents quoted in the indictment, he also emailed Pettibon, claiming the piece pictured in the article is an overpriced print made from a friend from Austria. Um, <clears throat> and in the meantime, Rosa fled the country within a month. Um, what else is... Oh, and he kept emailing that co-conspirator. I am not trying to get busted, so that's why it's taking longer. Um, talking about trying to sell the work. Rosa is alleged to have hawked four works and duped two buyers. Prosecutors claim Rosa bought a house in California using proceeds from the sale of two of the works. After leaving the U.S., he sold the home and tried to transfer the funds abroad. I'm sorry, but how quick do you have to act in order to get all those like uh, ducks lined in a row? I know. That's insane. Also, I want to see the house... (laughs) Yeah, I want to see the house. I wonder if he bought it for himself or for flipping purposes. I this this requires such a level of premeditation that if you had watched that fucking Dutch documentary that was following Simcoe, oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that at some point uh, highlights the sort of the clashing nature of the relationship between Simcoe and um, Rosa, who I guess Simcoe claims to have um, propelled into fame basically yeah <clears throat> sounds but like simho simho yeah <laughs> but the two are just like oil and water like actually they're they're just such they're like birds of a feather the two of them that they're like event like eventual yeah. clash was just so obvious we should make a reaction video to that video <laughs> we should yeah that was such a good like that dutch creator is like i hate using that word but that's that's a work of a genius yeah <laughs> Um, he's just so cunning in his, like, just letting, sort of, letting the two, like, um, have it at each other. Yeah. Anyway, just the f- insane premeditation of, like... Alleged um, premeditation. Alleged, sorry, of, like, sneaking some work out of your friend's studio. I mean, you heard through the grapevines that the two were, like... Like... <laughs> allegedly are we allowed to say that that allegedly okay i think we'll bleep that out um also i just i heard a story about a trade involving (laughs) allegedly that also Mm -hmm. bleep out uh (laughs) that got totaled apparently (laughs) like this person sounds messy he is messy it's just like and also, he's half Jewish, so like, come on. He is not half Jewish. <laughs> his last name is Weinberger, which is like conveniently oh omitted from his Wikipedia page. He's that, half Brazilian. That's the half stepfather's name. Whatever. Look, I <laughs> let me let me refer you, please, to an interview that was a um, that was um, 
conducted by Kathy Grayson from The Hole in 2014 with rising star Christian Rosa. The and one story she wrote for Artnet News, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. Interesting. Um, so it opens by saying, Christian Rosa, just open a big solo at CFA during Berlin Gallery Weekend. Throwback to all of you, 2014. Um, of a highly anticipated show of new paintings, a new... new New Yorkers can see his work at White Cube's booth at Freeze New York. These two exhibitions are the first major showings by Rosa, who has evolved by leaps and bounds in the past year in terms of his paintings and his growing art, uh, his growing market success. I sought to understand Rosa's twofold transformation, the solo exhibition lining up and the paintings maturing as he opens these major showcases of his work, the first of many uh, with major galleries around the world over the next year. Um, Blah, blah, blah. The new work involves, and this is referring to his famous sort of uh, Miro knockoffs, basically, (laughs) if you don't know his work. Uh, the new works involve oil, charcoal, pencil, resin, and oil stick, but the forms created with these tools show no brushwork and remain autonomous in their discrete areas of the canvas. A green smudge, a blue line, a penciled circle, a flat yellow square traversed by a white squiggly line. The charcoal is used often as a point, but also sideways as a calligraphic marker of width. They have the superficial appearance of a Juan Miro or automatic drawing, and perhaps they, they were made in a similar way. Um, and then she goes on to saying, I don't think metaphysics or a millennial recap- recapitulation of the avant-garde is a part of the artistic intent. Rosa has a very punk-free, anything-goes-in-the-pursuit-of-true-beauty love sort of rebelliousness that doesn't mesh with an over-intellectualized reading of the work. And then she asks him, when and how did you begin painting and decide what was your, um, what is this word? Metier? Oh, yeah. I've never heard this word in my life. Um, and then in a very sort of art bro kind of skater street tagger style, <laughs> he answers, I never chose painting. It chose me. <laughs> God. Um, <clears throat> where like did you the grow mob. Up in- like the mom oh my god true yeah he does sort of fashion himself in like this like mafia kind of style um where did you grow up and how did you spend your childhood i was born in brazil grew up in vienna because brazil was so dangerous so we moved to vienna where my stepdad is from (laughs) um anyways why am i reading this interview just to shed some light on how the mighty have fallen Yes, I remember him at an opening during Gallery Weekend Berlin, uh, which this Kathy Grayson piece has a photo from. Mm -hmm. He he was wearing that dumb ass red beanie, uh, looking like Waldo. (laughs) I mean, the year is 2014. Those (laughs) beanies were valid. I think he still was wearing it. Um, but the piece in Artnet News from October 14th by Sarah Cascone, he looks hot in that photo. Oh yeah, he's hot. Yeah. Christian Rose attends the Rima Hortman Foundation, LA Artist Initiative Benefit Auction. Did they take $20 to enter that? Oh my God. <laughs> I wonder if it'll reopen this year. Not holding my breath. To the, to the public. Um... Oh, 
so he looks good in that photo. Okay, I just have to say something about this whole thing. Um, these people that are like alleged experts with eagle eyes that are like, I knew they were fake because they had, you know, shades of green and yellow in them that are uncharacteristic. Yeah, no way in hell. Uh, no, because if you Google these pieces, the originals, and you go to like the Sadie Cole's website or the new, like new museum show, those pieces have those tones in them. So like somebody, somebody must have known this was transpiring. I think somebody tipped them off or, I mean, just by judging by Christian's sort of whole communication around this prior to the exposure and, and after the exposure, he seems like a sloppy criminal. Yeah, exactly. Like the so fact that I you're think emailing he, people like the jig is up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like as I, inept uh, as those dumbasses with uh selling the nuclear sub secrets. Right. <laughs> and um it's funny because in the Artnet news piece you can see work reflected in the framed piece glass yeah. from the tip from the tipsters home who <laughs> sent it in and like i see a really tacky like keith herring print uh framed like where was this i guess this was in the collector's apartment basically yeah um and what is the conclusion no art by a living artist should go exactly. for <laughs> upward of $200,000 and or like, I don't know, Christian Rosa's only sort of mistake here was that he got caught because if you're stupid enough to buy a work on art on paper for like, I guess Petty Bond's work goes for like around a million a piece for these, like for the larger scale works on paper because he he really only does work on paper. Yeah. Which, like, why are you paying that much for work on paper? Yeah. I mean, his work is beautiful and so sort of iconic that uh, I would even consider buying, like, a print. Yeah, they're cute. Museums. Yeah, they are cute, but are they worth that much money? No. No. Um, did Christian Rosa manage to transfer his funds abroad? I don't know. I'm very interested in knowing if can if a tipster could, like, let us know. I guess they got stopped because it said he attempted to. Oh, I see. I wonder where he... Is there any uh, telling activity on his Instagram account or something? I think he like completely depleted his Instagram account a while ago, like a year and a half ago or so. I feel like we should find him and get a reward. (laughs) Yes. Where is Carmen Miranda? (laughs) Yeah. Where is Carmen Sandiego? (laughs) Oh, Sandiego. Who's Carmen Miranda? Oh, that's... (laughs) god once again i'm embarrassing myself <laughs> with my <laughs> with my crossed wires um we need to find um brian petito and <laughs> too soon <laughs> i'm not making fun of it i'm saying we need to find him and we need to find christian rosa um yeah. this is not a victimless crime people yeah and also just uh, i don't know if anyone wants to come to my studio and steal some works and turn it into a and turn into some art kerfuffle that will garner some headlines i invite you kindly yeah um yeah well maybe he's maybe he's related to um 
What's that? What was the what was the original Devil Wars Prada girl? <laughs> Wait, which one? How do you mean? Uh, what's her name? The one that wrote the book. Wasn't she a Weinberger? Oh. Uh, Let's see. Devil Wars Prada author. Weisberger. Sorry, Weisberger. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks for anti-Semitic uh, <laughs> assumptions. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! I hope I don't get a tweeted at by a a league for that. Do we want to anonymously do recite some a uh, some topical tweets <laughs> from today, <laughs> just for entertainment entertainment's sake? <laughs> sure. Does you it, go ahead. Does it include? Does it include allegations of? No, you could skip. You could skip that. But maybe we can a. Uh, maybe we can cap off this episode with the uh, the reading of these tweets. Okay, let me see. Let me should we, see. Wait, should we garble your voice? <laughs> it's in the. It's in the uh, just shades chat. Oh God, let's see. Sorry, I have too many devices. Just like I'm, <laughs> I'm a young millennial on the go. <clears throat> all right. Um, so can, can I just say all the screenshots you send us, girl? You need to charge your battery. <laughs> okay, I'm you're at o- home all day. <laughs> you're always you're always under half. <laughs> and when I stayed at your place, I. I just recall you not charging your phone overnight, and that would distress me. <laughs> oh my god, you were keeping tabs on me. <laughs> I I wasn't even keeping tabs, but it was just such a sore thumb oh that I was like, god. "How does this person not charge their phone overnight?" And just like hopes that a charger will come your way <laughs> during the day. Mm, I just called you out. Sorry, embarrassed now. <laughs> All right. Okay, go ahead dumbest music as well as dancing i've seen in my life that's not actually Wait, sorry what what is this in reference to can you shed some light this is about the anna imhoff after party um mm-hmm. because she just had her momentous palais de tokyo um which can i just say there's a fucking new york times piece about it that looks like they just copy pasted the last one that came out what, what, what was that show in berlin that sort of uh, got her all the headlines a few years ago i don't know like hamburger banhoff i'm just so, tired yeah. of seeing this whole aesthetic and like teen angst and like it's just I'm so in a nirvana it, video it just fucking looks predictable to the point where I'm like, how boring must it be to be a Zoomer? Who yeah. This is the like the cultural. They're not Zoomers. They're like for. 44 year olds doing this. Oh, you mean the fans? Yeah. Yeah. Like this just this looks exactly like the type of stuff that was hailed and was all the rage when I was like doing my BFA at Utica. So like fucking innovate or like I don't know, change your interests whatever yeah sorry go on i don't i just think that aesthetic is tired like everything about it whatever i'm a loser i don't have a balenciaga campaign what do i know like 
this fucking like dystopian fantasy is so entitled and boring yeah like, it's white people is, art okay it's like yeah and i get it new, i'm a white person calling it out but like this is the new clueless yeah. Like if Clueless was made in like 2021, it would have featured Anne Imhoff and a fucking like zombie angsty Balenciaga wears like crawling yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Okay. Having the privilege of looking like garbage. Um, dumbest music as well as dancing I've seen in my life. That's not actually fair. That sounds exceptional. Most non-music and non-dancing I've seen in my life. Go to hell, Europe. <laughs> <laughs> The Europeans think it's so fucking funny for some reason how much I use the word bitch, greeting people with hi, bitch, in particular. <laughs> okay, bitch. <laughs> that reminds me of that Instagram story of those like young German kids, that faggy kid and his girlfriends, where they like pretend interview each other for TV. Do you remember oh, that? <laughs> yeah. Okay, the DJs at the Anna, Anna Imhoff party can't beat match their minimal techno. I hate Europe, LOL. <laughs> and there's a gigantic rope off VIP section. Like she invited us all here to just dot, 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 <laughs> look at that. At least the drinks are very fancy as well as free. Overall, three out of the t- three out of ten. I wish I was dead. <laughs> um, wait, there's more loser shit oh my god drinks are also 20 euros how much even is that i bought my friends like 12 abolish the european art community straight up i mean that i agree with totally wait what about the one above it (laughs) oh honestly taking a step back if i ever had a huge success and it was time to invite 400 people to come celebrate me how is posh expensive club (laughs) at all the vibe (laughs) Oh my God, how corny are you? Like, do you even have real friends? What is this? <laughs> okay, these are amazing. These are good. Oh my God. Um, what about the most, the more excoriating ones? You want to read those? Okay. Um, I mean, we haven't <sighs> named names. You can just read it. Yeah, we haven't. Um, wait one second. Just so I make sure that this is all in order. Um, and straight up, these particular art lesbians are low or high key transphobic. They belong in hell. We left and ended our night on a nice note, but I'm honestly still so pissed. What the fuck is transphobia in a queer art community? You fucking lesbian bigots and losers and your half wit gay hangers on um, what is uh, transphobia he's referring to in this specific uh, performance? Oh, I'm assuming something must have happened at the party, like with oh, a friend okay. of his, uh, some incident. Guess we'll find out more next week. Um, I mean, this uh, trans-inclusive rhetorics in the art world is all just a smoke, uh, uh, it's a smoke mirror. Yeah, I'm sure just there's a lot of turfs, so. Yep. Oh, well, on that note, um, so we might be back. We might not be back, depending on whether we <laughs> still are non-practicing artists by next week or in two weeks. Um, we are keeping our doors open to opportunities that will skyrocket us. And 
In the meantime, the only hope I have lasting is a posthumous success. Yeah, that's what my dad always says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, basically, we just want a more just world for everyone where we're all not working for free all the time. So Yeah, exactly. Just that. listen, as a, as a white gay Jew, I just want to be compensated for my hard work. Okay. And like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, chat with you next time. Talk to you soon, Amir. Bye. Choose.